Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again and I hope all is well. Hi Dan, yeah, all great over here. I had a fantastic away day over the weekend, went down to Cheltenham, an absolutely great day out, fun in a, a sold out away end, and to top it all off, Barnsley won 4-0, so um, the promotion hunt remains in place, a big month coming up, but all good my end, thank you. Glad to hear, a cracking away day it must be said, and also Jamie, you're back in the fold last but certainly not least, you've had yeah. a cracking away day, maybe not result based, but still a good trip <laughs> to Milan, so how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Dan. And as you said, you obviously had a really nice time in Milan. Obviously, result aside, Spurs doing their very best as always to try and ruin uh, me having a good time. But uh, no, it was, it was obviously a really nice city, really nice place to go. And uh, yeah, really lucky with the weather as well. So just a yeah, really good time. Um, obviously, Spurs did let me down. They did get back on winning ways on the weekend. So that was kind of a little bit of a, you know, a bit nicer. But uh, yes, I had a fantastic time in Milan and uh, look, ready to go again for, for the, this week's podcast. Glad to hear and glad that you are back in the fold. But that's all the intros out of the way, so let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insight. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Let's start with the EFL Cup final on Sunday as Manchester United face Newcastle at Wembley. Now, Craig, will the absence of Nick Pope for the Magpies tilt the balance of power in the direction of the Red Devils? Yeah, I think it does, Dan. Yeah, I think it's a it's a big blow this for Newcastle, but I think in many ways they might see it as, as a bit of a kick while they're already down. I think if you go back and you look at when Newcastle qualified for this final... They were on top of the world. They were banging form, genuine, you know, really in the top four race, not just hoping to be in it, but genuinely in it. Uh, long unbeaten run. They were winning games. So James's part were absolutely bouncing that night when they when they got through. And look at them now. Uh, one win from seven in the Premier League. Loads of draws as though I think, and we've sort of touched on it before, pre- trying to protect that unbeaten run maybe a little too much rather than concentrating on winning games. And I just think that, it's not necessarily the loss of Pope. It's the loss of Pope and when it's happened and how can they cope with that while things are maybe not quite perfect at the minute. Um, a few weeks ago, a very different story, but now I do think it's a big blow. I would have probably given Manchester United the edge anyway, but certainly now 6-5 to five Manchester United to win this in 90 minutes and they'd be my pick for this game. OK then, Jamie, with that said, a cup final can quite easily throw the form book out the window and with that in mind, would you be tempted to back Newcastle yeah. to win or maybe to win the trophy, maybe not 90 minutes, but more importantly, ending their trophy doubt of at least 70 years. Yeah, do you know what, with this one, I think obviously form sometimes does go out the window in these games, but I'm, I'm going to go with the form book here. And I do str- kind of struggle to see anything other than Manchester United lifting the trophy. Um, obviously, given that their form as well, they've been fantastic, you know, winning eight of their last 11 games in the league. Um, obviously been good in all competitions as well. Newcastle, you know, really struggling for goals at the moment. And this has been a big issue for them. You know, obviously one win in seven, as Craig mentioned, but it's also three goals in that run as well. So, you know, goals have really dried up for them and and, and that's a massive issue. Then, of course, as you mentioned, you know, you factor in no Nick Pope for them. Um, So for me, I do think this will go with the form book. I think, you know, there's lots of factors just pointing in Manchester United's direction. And, you know, as much as it's been a, a fantastic season for Newcastle, I think they're coming in, you know, this game's arrived in a a really tricky period for them. So, um, yeah, I I really struggled to say anything other than Man United lifting the trophy on the weekend. Okay, then, Craig, if you're backing a Man United win in the end, how are you looking at this encounter from a half-time, full-time point of view? What do you see panning out at Wembley? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say anything sort of too scientific about this that that people wouldn't agree with, but I, I expect it to be cagey at the start. I think both teams are not going to want to give anything away really obvious stuff that we say about a lot of cup finals and big games, really. But when you look at it from a betting point of view, um, you know, both teams ease into it. Let, let's not forget, this is still a tough Newcastle back line. They're still a very, very good sort of unit in defence. 
So, yeah, let, you know, let's sort of use that. Let's go with the draw at half-time and then Manchester United to win it at full-time. That's available at 9-2, to two, that, which, considering that how often we talk about these sort of games being a cagey start, I do think it's a, it's a very fair price. And I think in the past couple of weeks as well, there's been a few times where Manchester United have, have sort of played all right in the first half, but then really come to life in the second half. And to be honest, most of it's uh, been usually based around our very, very close podcast friend, Mike, uh, Marcus Rashford. Who, who seems to get, sort of start off somewhere and then gets moved into his favoured position later on in the game and does the damage. So that's another positive for this as well. So, so yeah, 9-2, to two, it'd be a draw at half-time and Manchester United to win at full-time for me. Well, Jamie, let's talk about our podcast friend now. That, of course, being Marcus Rashford. He's certainly the man of the moment in Manchester United colours. He's priced at just 7-4 to four to score on Sunday. Is that something that you're considering? Yeah, I think you'd have to be. And of course, I think you'd probably be silly to kind of look anywhere else at the moment. Obviously, you know, when you usually ask me this question, I like to kind of look elsewhere and, and, and kind of look, you know, maybe not at just the fray, but, but you know, his, his record at the moment is just outstanding. You know, he's got 17 goals in his last 17 appearances since the World Cup. So he's been on that, you know, he's been on fire since since the tournament's finished. Um, and yeah, I don't think that you can look anywhere else. Again, I mentioned with the Newcastle perspective, you know, they've been really struggling for goals. So that rules out a lot of them. And, and you know, it's very tricky to see where their goal is going to come from. Um, Bruno Fernandes might be another shout as well. He's 11-4 to four to score any time. Obviously, a guy who takes penalties, who does take the free, uh, you know, takes set pieces as well. So um, that could be a good shout as well. That offers a bit more value. But yeah, Marcus Rashford is, is definitely the way to go here. Of course, Craig, there's something else to consider in terms of the EFL Cup final odds, and that is Manchester United's Europa League playoff second leg tie with Barcelona just three days before. So it's two all a week ago. They can't really afford to rest in this encounter with Sunday in mind. But with that in mind, how does a 5-4 to four home win sound on Thursday? Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I think when you look back to that game last week, I think in parts, Manchester United were, were excellent. Um, they had moments where they really took the game to Barcelona, and it's something that I'm expecting them to do again here. You know, um, they're at home. They've got the crowd behind them. I think one of the things about Old Trafford at the minute is, you know, there's genuine belief that this is sort of Manchester United on the way back up as such. Um, the crowd have been really behind them for the past few games, and it's something that I've noticed. So that's the big thing. Uh, big, big sort of European night there. You know, they, they've not had that many big European nights over the past couple of years but for a club that that were used to them, sort of going back a decade, two decades. Um, and, and also, I think the other thing is, you know, they have a genuine chance to win this competition. It could be that the next couple of games that come in this competition for Manchester United are actually easier than the ones against Barcelona, just sort of the look of the draw as such. Um, I think they'll do it. it. It should be a cracker because I don't think Barcelona are the type of team that will come and lay down or shy away from this. They're going to come and have a go at it. But ultimately, I do think Manchester United will win this. Uh, five to four for them to win it, as you say. And that'll be my pick. Well, you rightly say that once either of these two teams clear the big hurdle in front of them, the road to the Europa League final actually gets a lot easier. But Jamie, by the same token, the 2-2 draw that we saw last week actually sets mm. things up nicely for Xavi's men just as well. So with that in mind, would you be tempted mm. to back the Catalan outfit to qualify at odds of 11-10? to 10? Yeah, I mean, that, that first leg was a really you know, fascinating game. And then, of course, you look at Barcelona's form. You know, they come into this... Flying in the league, obviously eight points clear at the top of La Liga, um, you know, on a really long winning run as well. So they've been fantastic this season. Obviously, they did get knocked out of the Champions League and that was obviously a bit of a difficult time for them. But, you know, they've, they've really bounced back since that and uh, they've been a, a really good team. Manchester United as well. Obviously, we know, we know how well they're playing. So two great teams going head to head. Um, the problem for Barcelona is they're going to be without two key players on on uh, on Thursday, no Pedri and no Gavi, so obviously that leaves you know their midfield really short, and I just think that that will will kind of play a big factor in this one, and, and that's why I'm definitely going to go for Man United win here. Um, Pedri suffered a hamstring injury in the first leg, Gavi he suspended for for the second leg as well, so you know to be without those two key players in midfield, you know to lose two players. In, in the same area, I think it's a really big blow for them. So, um, yeah, I think I think with Barca missing two key players, I'm going to go for a Manchester United win to, and they will advance. OK, let's go back to Sunday now. What's better than one League Cup final, two League Cup finals? Because also, north of the border, see Celtic and Rangers go to war once more. So, Craig, how do you see this one panning out at Hampden Park? Is Celtic at evens the direction of travel here? Yeah, I mean, two sides who come here in, in very, very good form. You know, they're both playing well at the moment. But I think... For me, this game, and, and sort of has been for maybe the past sort of year or two now, it's always when you look at the bigger picture. And I just think that there's a real sense that Celtic have got Rangers' number at the moment. And 
they're not really ready to give that up at all yet. I, I don't mind how Rangers are playing. You know, from the bits I've seen, they're playing very well. But mentally, do they actually believe that they can go here and win a cup final against Celtic? And I just think that Celtic are in a, this sort of great position where they're the best team in Scotland and they know that they're the best. But at the same time, they're not showing any real arrogance and, and leaving any floors open for Rangers to come and get them. Um, I'd definitely be with Celtic. But what I would say is, just sort of to add on to this, if Rangers do win this, is this the tiny little door opening that, that sort of gives them a chance of sort of getting back into the title race? You know, if they can win this. Whereas if they lose it, is that sort of the last nail to shut the door and Celtic go on and, and get like, you know, these two, you know, it's winning the League Cup final, but it's also sort of cementing their league title win as well. I think it's a big game for both. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Rangers have been as good as they can be, but Celtic have also just not dropped points either. So it's that nine-point gap which just keeps the two teams at arm's length from each other. You look at the recent Scottish Cup performances, Rangers had to edge past Partick Thistle, and there was that kind of disputed goal. But even that aside, it was still a narrow victory, whereas Celtic rested most of their team and smashed St Mirren at home 5-0. So that's the kind of magnitude of difference that we've got at the moment. And you rightly say that if Rangers can land a glove and lift this League Cup final, it might just ebb away at Celtic and they think, well, actually, you know, the top race is still back on. You've still got a couple of old firm clashes to go, so on and so forth. There might be something there. But if Celtic win, I can see him going clear in the distance. So, Jamie, with that in mind, if you were to look at this mm. from a result and total goals perspective, yeah. what option takes your fancy before kickoff? Yeah, I mean, a, a really difficult one to call here. Um, obviously, two teams in very similar form. Uh, nine wins for both teams since that tool draw at Ibrox at the start of the year. Obviously, a really exciting game between those two teams. Um, so form wise, really difficult to separate the two teams. But I won't. I might. I'm not going to give a like a, an actual um, result. But I, one thing I do think will happen. I think there's going to be lots of goals here. Um, Celtic. They've scored 16 goals in the last four matches. So a team who are scoring lots. Rangers. Uh, they've got 11 in their last four as well. So two teams who are scoring loads. Um, as I mentioned, obviously, at the start of the year, it was a tool draw, really exciting game. And uh, I think we could be in for a fairly similar game here. Um, you can get uh, over 3.5 goals at 13 to 8. In terms of an outcome, I'm, I'm going to kind of bottle that one and, <laughs> and not give anything. But uh, as I said, I still think there's going to be plenty of goals. I like the look of 3.5 goals, uh, over 3.5 goals, uh, which you can get at 13 to 8. A safe shout there, Jamie. But now we're going to go bet building once again. And with Tottenham playing host to Chelsea on Sunday, we're going to look to construct another winner. So, Craig, you're up first, as always. I'd like an anytime goal scorer from you, please. Yeah, I'm going to go with Harry Kane from Tottenham. He's available at 13 to 10. So I broke my Tottenham curse, thankfully, last weekend. <laughs> um, so I'm going to double down and uh, we're going to keep on the Tottenham run now. So I'm going to go with Harry Kane. Uh, as I said, he's available at 13 to 10. Can't really go anywhere near Chelsea in the current form that they're, they're sort of showing at the moment. So it is a, a Tottenham win that I like here. And in many ways, I think there's only really a Harry Kane that I'm willing to trust at the moment in this team to, to sort of deliver. And, and he's hardly actually flying himself, you know, two goals in his last six Premier League games. But he is playing well. And I think Spurs are very sort of slowly moving in the right direction. I think if you take out the Leicester result, which was a real disappointment then actually they, they really are moving in the right direction. Um, the important thing here is that I think Chelsea are just there for the taking at the moment. They're just plodding along and don't really know what to do. Uh, so I'm going to back Harry Kane to lead Spurs to victory. So it's Harry Kane at 13-10 to 10 for me. A great start there, Jamie. I'd like the over-under on the goals, please. Mm. Yeah, I mean, definitely going to go for under 2.5 goals here. I think Chelsea, you know, they've only scored three times in the last nine matches in all competitions. Defensively, they have been solid and I do think they can maybe somewhat keep Spurs out. I think it's going to be a low scoring Spurs win. Uh, that's what I'm going to go for. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, defensively they've been decent. But And as well, Spurs, not emphatic goal scorers, as, as Craig mentioned. Uh, four, it's only scored four in the last four. So, you know, obviously just won a game at the moment. So, I think this is going to be a low-scoring Spurs win and I'm going to go for under 2.5 goals. OK, then. I'm going to go for the half-time, full-time market and I'm opting for a draw or 45 minutes and then a Tottenham win at 90 because Spurs are certainly a better second-half team. There's no doubt about that. And I think the extra edge will shine through in the end, especially as they go up against the Chelsea side that's looked rather blunt in recent weeks, which is why I'm opting for the half-time stalemate but full-time home win. OK, then, just to recap our three picks. Craig has gone for Harry Kane to score any time. Jamie's gone for under 2.5 total goals. I've gone for the draw at half-time, but the Tottenham win. This one's a big, juicy one for a London derby. 22-1 to 1 is on offer. That's £10 on the betting slip, £230 in your back pocket if it comes good. I hope it comes good for us. I hope it comes good for you. 
Okay, let's have a quick chat about the game itself now. Craig, if Chelsea were to lose this game, do you think it would be the Graham Potter's last hurrah? Or do you think any decision might not be made until the Blues host Russia Dortmund in the Champions League? I'm, I'm really not sure, Dan. I'm really not sure. And, and I would love to just stop now, but I feel like you're going to press me for more words. So I'm going to have to keep going with this answer. <laughs> um, but, but I genuinely don't know. So every sign from the football club is that they're backing him. They're bringing in many players. They're spending huge amounts of money. And when Graham Potter arrived, he was always described as being the man to take the team forward to the next level and, and ultimately challenge for the Premier League title. It was always spoken about being the start of a project. You know, there, there is clearly a long-term plan in place at Chelsea. Whether you agree or not with the amounts of money they're spending and the players they're bringing in, they've put together a long-term plan that involves signing players on long contracts that are not, the, not in the peak of their careers yet and slowly coming into that and trying to build a team round sort of three, four, five important players. And if you've got that plan in place, then after just a few months, would you be sacking the manager? And So if you look at it in that way, then I'd say he's safe even if things are going way worse than what anyone expected at the minute. Well, then I think if you look at the flip side and, you know, when was the last time someone came into a football club and spent this amount of money in the first six months? And we've got so much money in the Premier League now, but actually when you look back, it's a while since someone came and spent so much in the first sort of six, eight months, whatever it's been since Todd Bowley's been at Chelsea and, and done what he's done. Um, he's paying over the odds in many respects to try and quickly get success. And I think... He's sort of, although his plan's in place, he's paying a premium to bring instant success to Chelsea rather than trying to play the long game and slowly build up. So for that reason, if you look at it that way, he could well be off. Um, I, I genuinely don't know the answer. The one thing that I would say is it would take a lot, a lot of guts to sack a manager on the eve of a big Champions League game. So if Graham Potter is sacked on Monday before the Champions League game, it's a very, very brave call. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout, actually. So watch this space, I think we'll say. But, Jamie, Chelsea haven't won any of their last four league outings. They travel to Spurs. Have you got the same lingering doubts as me that Dr Tottenham will soon treat his next patient? Yeah, look, as a Spurs fan, we always know that that's very much a possibility. Um, but look, I, I think this is it's a, this is a really strange fixture for Graham Potter. I think it's almost the best and worst fixture possible. I think, obviously, it is a great fixture because... You win this one, it's Chelsea, this is the one they want to win. You know, they want to win away at Spurs, they want to beat Spurs all the time. And, you know, if they were to go away to Spurs and, and get that win, you know, it would almost really kind of build that connection. I think that that's something that he's not had a chance to do yet, build the connection with the fans and, and get a really big result. Going away to Spurs and, and, and doing that would, would be fantastic for him. But then it's also on the flip side, that's where it becomes almost kind of the worst possible game because you're going away to Spurs, which is a fairly tricky fixture. You're going away in poor form and, you know, you lose to Spurs for Chelsea fans. That's always unacceptable. You know, regardless of form, Chelsea fans will not accept losing to Spurs. So that could obviously go the other way. And I think this is where, you know, Chelsea board, they can say that, you know, they're fully backing of, of Graham Potter. But I think the, the the pressure from the fans could be something that could really kind of make their decision. You know, at the moment, a lot of Chelsea fans, and we saw on the weekend against Southampton, they're very vocal in, in kind of their disapproval of, of Graham Potter at the moment. And as I said, losing to Spurs would really kind of um, add more pressure. So, it's, it's a really interesting fixture, this one. I, I think I'd probably go more towards this being a really bad fixture for him, unfortunately, coming against Spurs. Um, and then, of course, you look at Spurs as well, at the moment as well. You know, and I, I think Craig is right. Maybe Spurs are kind of building something slightly in the right direction at the moment. I think particularly at home, it's, it's been pretty good. Obviously, we saw that win against Manchester City. They then followed that up with a, a win over West Ham as well. So, you know, it's back-to-back -back wins at home for Spurs. And I think in both those games... They look pretty good as well. Obviously, particularly in the second half against uh, West Ham, I thought Spurs did look really good. So, yeah, a really tough fixture this for Chelsea. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be kind of more pressure on Graham Potter. I do think it will be uh, three straight home wins for Spurs. But as, as I mentioned, it's going to be a low-scoring one. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see what happens. OK, then, Craig, as we know, Jamie has opted for under 2.5 goals in terms of the total. So is this something that you would agree with? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of uh, joined-up thinking around this game, really, which is either going to make us all look very silly or it's going to make us all look like superstars. But yeah, sort of pretty much, um, like I've already chose Harry Kane to score. I would agree with the under 2.5 goals. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. And, and as you alluded to with Tottenham winning it in the second half, you know, 
they have been a better team in the second half. This goes all the way back to sort of what it pre-World Cup when we were talking around Tottenham losing at half-time and coming back and winning at full-time and those sort of picks that we were putting out there. So I just think that we're, strangely, all on the same page. And, and I agree completely with Jamie. I think Spurs will win it, but I think they'll, they'll only just nick it because although Chelsea are playing very poorly, they've got the ability to keep teams down to a respectable score. And Spurs... Still, although they're getting better, in my opinion, not really firing on all cylinders. I think I think there's more to come from Spurs, um, despite the fact that they are moving in the right direction. So, so yeah, definitely under 2.5 for me. OK, and Jamie, let's stay on the same page, because if you were to combine a result with the both teams to score mm. market, I get the feeling it's Tottenham and no. Yeah. Yes, um, I mean, as well, it was two wins at home and it was two clean sheets as well. So, again, kind of building in the right direction. You know, in the game before the, the Man City 1-0 win, it was a, another 1-0 win against Fulham as well. You know, going away to Craven Cottage and, and getting a clean sheet, I think, was pretty big. So, um, yeah, I, I think Tottenham can keep this Chelsea side at bay. You know, we, we obviously know kind of Chelsea's problems at the moment in terms of scoring goals. So, yes, I think it's obviously no surprise as well that Tottenham win and no to both teams to score is, is kind of lowest uh, odds in, in this market. It's 10 to 3 for that one. So, yeah, for, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to go for a Tottenham win and both teams to score no at 10 to 3. And uh, look, I'm sure we might look very silly, but uh, look, that, that's obviously the way the form, form's going at the moment. So um, that's my pick. Fantastic. Right, let's go for our long shot hacker now. We go anywhere in the world on the hunt for odds between 2-1 to one and 5-1. to one. So, Jamie, you're up first this week. What have you got for me? Yeah, I think I've gone for a pretty big one here, and I'm going to go for Crystal Palace to beat uh, Liverpool Ooh. at Selhurst Park at 15-4. to four. Um, I, I think after that big defeat against uh, Real Madrid in the Champions League, obviously going 2-0 up and to lose 5-2 at home, I just think that completely and utterly kills the mood. I think it almost would have been better for them had they not have gone 2-0 up. I think that to have thrown away such a lead, I, I just think that that's going to completely and utterly kind of kill any sort of momentum they look to be building. Obviously, it was, you know, been a couple of good results in the league as well. Obviously, got that win at St. James's Park. And then, of course, to go 2-0 up and, and, you know, obviously flying... I think to come crashing down like that, I just don't think it should be underestimated how bad that defeat will have been for them. So, yeah, I, I think that I can see Crystal Palace coming out on top here. Um, I, I say that as well. Um, obviously, we have been kind of talking about them and, and maybe them really struggling recently. But I think, they, for me, I think they've been almost moving in the right direction. Um, obviously, we've seen them draw against Manchester United. They drew against Newcastle, Brighton and Brentford. You know, and these are all teams that are kind of flying at the moment. So, it's been some decent results. And I think that maybe we might see them come out finally with a win here. Um, obviously, it's under the lights at Selhurst Park. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go for an upset here and a Palace win at 15-4. Uh, to 4. A bold shout to get started. Craig, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I'm going with a team that have quickly becoming podcast favourites of ours, I think. I'm going to go with Middlesbrough to win away at West Brom at 2-1. to one. So I've been talking Middlesbrough up a lot over the past few weeks and I'm backing them to win away again here. Uh, they come here having won the last five games and they've scored three goals in each of their last four wins. Uh, they went away to Sheffield United and won 3-1 last week. Unbelievable achievement. Uh, Michael Carrick is doing an absolutely fantastic job. I think with a little bit more experience under him, he would have been the main man in, in sort of those Leeds and Southampton talks and, and possibly even Everton a few weeks back as well. But his lack of experience is keeping him in the championship for now. Um, West Brom, they were on the playoff hunt, sort of not too long back. You know, go back a few weeks and they were right in the mix. But they've just had one win in the last five games. That's seen them slip down to 10th and they're now five points off the playoffs. Uh, probably two even sides at the best. You know, if you look at them on paper, they're probably two even sides. But Middlesbrough are flying. They're going in the right direction. And West Brom are finding things tough at the minute. So it's Middlesbrough for an away win at 2-1 to one for me. Yeah, I really like the look of that one. But I'm off to League One as playoff hopefuls Peterborough play host to automatic hopefuls Plymouth. So Stephen Schumacher's men apparently joint second in the table, but perhaps more importantly, are eight points clear of Ipswich in third. Their winning run may have been halted with a goalless draw at home to Fleetwood, but at the same time, Peterborough's form under Darren Ferguson has seen both highs and lows in recent weeks. With this in mind, I'm backing the away win at odds of 11-4. to And of course, check out freebets.com for the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's look at some more Premier League headlines now and the latest in managerial appointments. So Craig, after the revelation that Super Sub Sam has been on the pints with Jesse Marsh, the American is no longer off to St Mary's. Do you think the market is now as simple as Ruben Sellers until the end of the season, or odds of one to four? Um, I think it's very much a case of this weekend's going to play a, a sort of big impact on his fate and, and where he goes. 
and this sort of comes on the back of a huge win over Chelsea. I think if Southampton win, then I think Sellers has simply put himself in a position where the board can't say no to him, and he, he just instantly is given the job until the end of the season because there's no other way out. I think if they draw, that's probably almost the case as well. And, and you can probably make a case that if they go to Leeds and, and they lose, but play well, then that's, you know, there's still, by the looks of what I've, what I've sort of seen on social media, there's plenty of fans open to him being given the job until the end of the season. Um, he's in an absolutely great spot. There's no doubt in that. And, and sort of this weekend could be the, the sort of cherry on top and, and sort of finalise things for him. Well, Jamie, in the last 24 hours, Leeds have finally appointed a manager of their own, that being Javi Grazia. Do you reckon mm. the ex-Watford boss can keep the Ellen Road outfit in the Premier League? Yeah, well, look, just on this one, it does feel like a bit of an underwhelming appointment for them. I mean, you look at his last couple of jobs, he was sacked by Valencia, sacked by Watford, and then he obviously left Ruben Kazan after a poor season there. So, um, yeah, a bit underwhelming in terms of that. He did do, of course, did do a fairly good job at Watford. Obviously, you know, that, that season he was sacked, it was a really poor start to the season. It was just one point from, you know, their first couple of matches and a really bad start there. But, you know, before that, he, you know, obviously got them to their... Uh, first FA Cup final in 35 years and that first season he was in charge he managed to guide them to safety so you know there is obviously a bit of optimism there but uh, look I'm kind of looking at the you know the bottom of the table now and it's not looking very good for Leeds because I look at a lot of the teams kind of in and around that that bottom three you know look at Palace, Forest, Leicester, Wolves and Everton you know, for me, those are teams I don't actually see really being dragged in. I think they might just be okay for those teams. So I think there's not many teams now that are really kind of in that fight. I think Bournemouth are the only side outside the bottom three at the moment. I can kind of see them catching and, and really being dragged back into that bottom three. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really not looking very good uh, for, for Leeds. And uh, I think Javi Grazia, he's got a, a very big job on his hands here. And, as luck would have it, the two teams face each other on Saturday. So, Craig, Leeds have home advantage. Can they build on it at odds of 19-20? to 20? Yeah, I think Jamie's just made a very good point about this, this sort of Leeds appointment where it's not really one. That, you know, when Sean Dyche were appointed at Everton, you sort of had reason to believe that he could get them out there. Yeah. And, and I'm not really seeing that with this appointment. And you also, as a Leeds fan, wonder, you know, what was plan A, what was plan B, what was plan C? But... But Garcia, what pla- you know, what is he like F, G, H, something like that? You get the feeling with how many names have been in the media that, you know, the fans know this, the players will definitely know this in the dressing room. He's sort of fifth, sixth, seventh choice on their list, must have been. And I just don't think that's sort of setting a setting a good start off, you know, whereas you compare that to Everton, Sean's sort of coming in, he's, he's the man to lead you forward. He goes in, imagine what he said in that first day is to sort of galvanise the dressing room, instantly lands, gets a win, and away they go. And I just don't see Leeds having that same bounce. Um, when you sort of go back, sort of mention about Everton, look at that Leeds performance against Everton last week. And yeah. there is absolutely no way that I would back Leeds to beat any Premier League team at the moment based on that. Uh, they were absolutely dreadful, just didn't turn up at all. And after I, I did think they showed a little bit of promise, you know, against Manchester United, especially in the first game away from home where they, they I thought they pressed really well and they put Manchester United under a few problems, especially in the first half. Um who knows what Southampton will get? You know, that, that's sort of the million-dollar question, really. Um, I think, sort of, if you're forcing me to choose one, I think I'd split the difference and take the draw. I think Southampton will be happy to go on with a point, and I don't think they'll do anything stupid if if there's a draw with 20 minutes to go. I think Southampton will sit in and hope for that. Um, it's 5-2 to two for the draw. I think that's where I go. But it's a very, very interesting game to watch this. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Jamie, it's certainly going to be a six-pointer. Can the Saints get three points? They won at Chelsea last weekend. They're looking for two in a row. How does 14-5 to five sound for you? Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with Craig here, and I do think it will be a draw. Um, I think Leeds can kind of, obviously, make maybe make home advantage pay, um, and I think that that will come good. Um, obviously, Ellen Road, I think, is going to be bang up for this one, obviously, with the new manager arriving. I mean, I kind of say this, but, you know, there should be a new manager bounce, but... I think Craig's going to spot on it. It reminds me exactly of when Nuno arrived at Spurs. You know, it was almost like, you know, you knew he was not the first choice. You knew he was so far down the list. And and that is so underwhelming, that feeling. And, you know, the players will know that as well. And, you know, will they have confidence in the manager that he's the right man when he was so far down the list? So, and again, you know, you look at someone like Sean Dyche, who's coming at Everton, you know, we know exactly he was coming there to get results. He knows how to get results. He's done it with Burnley before. You know, Javi Grazia, yes, he did keep Watford in the Premier League, but, you know, he made an awful start at, at Watford to his uh, the following season. You know, and I mentioned, you know, look at his previous jobs. So, 
you know, as much as I say there should be a new manager bounce, I think it's going to be that slightly underwhelming feeling. I mean, a lot of Leeds fans, I think, will be just glad that Jesse Marsh isn't in charge anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see it kind of being a, a winning bounce and I do think it will end up being a draw. I mean, you also got to look at Leeds' as home form as well. It's not been too bad. Uh, they've won three, drawn four and, uh, and lost just four times as well. Um, so it's, it's been pretty mixed and then they've got a goal difference. It's just minus one home so it's not been awful um so I, I, I don't think Southampton will have enough to come out on top but uh yeah I'm gonna go for a draw here now elsewhere the spotlight is certainly being shone on David Moyes there's conflicting reports some say he's safe but others say that if West Ham lose to Nottingham Forest on Saturday the Scott will soon be handed his P45 so with that in mind Craig can Steve Cooper's men grab a win at odds of four to one yeah, I mean, if you look at the odds on offer here, I think the value in this game is completely with Nottingham Forest. I think four to one's a very, very, very fair price. West Ham at three to four. I mean, would you back West Ham at home at odds on against? You, know, you maybe back them against a couple of teams. I'll maybe back West Ham to beat Leeds. Uh, maybe back West Ham to, oh, I don't know, and maybe nobody else. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't back them to beat Nottingham Forest. The Nottingham Forest team of sort of at a time when they needed to get points have found a way to pick up points, and I think the sort of you know, you need to win points to stay in the Premier League, but there's also various moments in the season that are slightly bigger than others where you need to get that confidence and get that momentum and look at how Nottingham Forest have moved away from the bottom three. And in many ways, you know, I saw Forest fans don't feel this at the moment, but they're pretty safe, aren't they, in many ways at the minute. Um, four to one for me, just too big to ignore. I think if you look back at Forest's form, you know, they did lose 2-0 two, two sorry, um, away at Fulham a couple of weeks back. But other than that, every time I've watched them play, I've been very impressed. Even when they've been drawing, I've been very impressed. Uh, look at what they did last week against Manchester City. Um, we'll, you know, we'll go for a big one here. Rather than sort of going and looking for the double chance market or whatever like that, forget that. We'll just go for the big one. We'll go 4-1, to one, Forest to win here. And unfortunately, yeah, I do think it'll be time for David Moyes to go if that happens. Well, Jamie, there's no doubt that West Ham have struggled in front of goal this season. With that in mind, how does under 2.5 total goals, odds of 8-11, to 11, look on a weekend acker? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely kind of add it to get Nottingham Forest getting a result. I do think they can go there and get something. Um, I think I think a win is is very possible. You look at how poor West Ham have been at the moment, but um, th the only key factor in this is, um, you know, I, I think a real key stat for me is that Forest they've been pretty poor away from home. They've scored just three times in eleven matches across this season. So away from home, really kind of been struggling for goals and, you know, really shook on the shows at home, the, the city ground. That's really where they, they picked up the majority of their points, picked up the majority of their goals as well. So that could obviously be an interesting factor. Maybe they don't go there and win. Maybe they do go and get a draw. Um, but yeah, as I said, West Ham, they've been really poor. Um, so yeah, I, I think under 2.5 goals is, is certainly the way to go. And also you look at both teams, Forest and West Ham are both averaged well under one goal a game this season so far. So it's, it's been it's, everything points towards a low scoring one. OK, then let's wind back to Friday night as Fulham play host to Wolves. And Manor Solomon has scored in each of the Cottagers' last two matches. So Craig, would 9-2 to two be too much of a stretch for the Israeli to bag a third goal in as many games? Yeah, I'd, I'd love nothing more than for that to happen, to be honest, Dan. He's a, he's a kid worth rooting for. Um, he arrived at Fulham sort of looking for a chance. He forced to move away from Shakhtar when clubs in Ukraine were cancelling and suspending contracts um, when, when the war started. So he, he came to Fulham sort of looking for a chance. And in the first game he played in the Premier League, he sadly suffered a, a bad knee injury. Um, so it's kept him out for so up until January. He has come back. He's bounced back. He, he's started sort of playing minutes. And it's great to see him scoring. Um, I do think one of the things, and sort of maybe one of the reasons why Fulham are doing so well this year, it's, it's weird that we're talking about a Fulham player to score and we're not mentioning the M word, which I'm still not going to say. Um, but at the same time, you know, Fulham have had a, a bit more spreading around of their scoring recently um, this season. I think that's a, one of the reasons why they're up there rather than being down in the relegation zone. But yeah, it's a, it'd, it'd be a nice story if he could come over here and, and find some goals between now and the end of the season and uh, build on what he's done already and uh, hopefully move forward. Well, Jamie, his goals have helped Fulham win two in a row. So a win on Friday would see them level on points with Newcastle, albeit having played two games more. But can you see them getting the better of Wolves at home or to five to four? Yeah, I definitely can. I think they face obviously a Wolves side who have been very consistent at the moment. They've won two, uh, lost two in their last four league matches as well. So, you know, very mixed form there. 
uh, I think Fulham, obviously, as you mentioned, getting those two back-to-back wins against a, a very much informed Nottingham Forest side. So I don't think that was a, a result that should be underestimated. Of course, going away to Brighton as well and, and getting that one nil win, that was obviously a result that seems to have gone under the radar. I think that was a big win for them. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think as well, not much has been made of, of how well Fulham are doing, you know, start the season it was all about can Fulham stay in the division you know this club that become this yo-yo club between divisions but they've been fantastic this season and they're so close to the top four now you know obviously Spurs and Brighton they're so close with Spurs and Brighton as well Brighton are a club of have had so many plaudits this season and, and obviously rightfully so but I don't think Fulham have quite got the same credit and uh you know fantastic job that Marcus Silva's doing there and uh yeah, I think Fulham, they're in a fantastic season and uh, I think it will continue on the weekend with a, with another win against Wolves. Yeah, I was speaking to a Fulham fan the other day, actually. and He said that, obviously, them going as high as they are on the table is fantastic. They're riding the crest of a wave. But in the back of his mind, he's thinking, Europe could be the worst thing that happens to us because then the squad might be too stretched next season. That could lead to relegation. So it's almost kind of weird that you want your team to do as well as you can but there's a certain ceiling that you don't want to smash through too quickly. And that's the only thing that Fulham might have to worry about. But at the same time, if you're Marco Silva, you can't say, you know, we'll have to worry about next season now. You have to sort of just go with what's in front of you. So a fascinating conundrum, a nice problem to have for Fulham, but it's going to be quite interesting to see how it pans out across the next eight, nine months. But before we move on, I want a Krebs score bet from you both. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. I just want that outcome spot on. So Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? I'm going back to a, the bet builder game, Tottenham and Chelsea, me, and I'm going to go for a Tottenham 1 0 win against Chelsea, which is available at 17 to 2. Uh, pretty much already explained, all, all three of us really, why, why we all fancy this. Um, but I, I do think Spurs will win the game. But as we mentioned, Chelsea have, have been able to keep their games respectable despite not playing very well at all. And Spurs aren't really firing on all cylinders themselves. They're, they're not, they're playing well and they're playing better, but they're not the free flowing, quick attacking good finishing Spurs that, that we have seen you know, over the past two, three years. Um, I think they'll have enough to win, but I think only by a far margin. So it's 1-0 to Spurs for me. It's 17-2. to two. Top shout. Jamie, what correct score are you hoping for this weekend? Yeah, do you know, it was really interesting because I was going to go for that result as well. I did really like the look of that, but uh, I'm going to go and back Napoli again, a team that I've backed on, on several occasions. And look, rightfully so, they've been a team that are flying at the moment. I think that, you know, on the run of seven straight wins... You know, across the whole season, all 23 matches, they've just they've failed to win on just three occasions. So they've been excellent so far. Um, for me, I think they're pretty much one of the best teams in Europe, without a doubt. Um, and they go away to Empoli on the weekend. I think they're going to win 2-0. Uh, you can get that at 6-1. to one. Um, Of course, we also saw Napoli win uh, in Europe this week. Obviously, a 2-0 win against Frankfurt. So they are a team who are flying at the moment. Empoli, they're a side who have maybe been struggling a little bit. No wins in the last four matches. So, um, yeah, I think everything kind of points towards another Napoli win, making eight in a row. And uh, I think they'll do it 2-0 at 6-1. Uh, to one. Top shout. I mean, we haven't got time to talk about it now, but Napoli for the Champions League final, what value there? Maybe even winning it. I mean, I don't think you can call them dark horses anymore because as you say, Jamie, they are one of the fear teams across the continent at the moment. But certainly a point to come back to in the next few weeks. But check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this weekend. Right, there's plenty more Premier League headlines to mop up and let's go to the top of the table as league leaders Arsenal travel to Leicester. Now, Craig, the Foxes have already got the better of one North London outfit in recent weeks. Can they make it a quick-fire double or to 4-1? to one? No, I don't think... Not quite, no. But but I do think they've got a very good chance here. Um, I, I just get the feeling that with Arsenal, as we keep moving on through the weeks, the, the sort of challenge is getting bigger for them each week and, and things are sort of increasing and going to new levels. And, and yes, they won last weekend. And in many ways, if you're looking for it like a, a sort of a positive slant, you would call it, you can look at that and say... The way that Arsenal won last week is what champions do. And somehow, somewhere, last few minutes, they pull it out the bag and they win. But alternatively, you look at that and you think, when was the last time that we saw really, really good Arsenal performance? And I think it was a few weeks ago now. This is not an easy test for Arsenal. Uh, Leicester were excellent when they beat Spurs two weeks ago. And last weekend, they started off very, very well against Manchester United. They should have taken the lead in that game. They played very well. They had two or three early chances. But then as soon as United scored, uh, Leicester struggled and sort of petered away and, and went out of the game. I'm not going to go all out with a Leicester win, but what I do think is we could see a draw here. Um, Leicester are moving in the right direction. Arsenal, I don't know how to take them at the minute. Is probably, you know, if 
I, I, I just don't know how to take them. <laughs> That's the best way of putting it. So, um, so a draw at three to one is where I would go. I'm just intrigued to see how Arsenal react as they sort of continue to not quite be at the best, but with every week getting more pressure on the shoulders. Well, this is it, Jamie. Craig's just alluded to the fact that that win over Aston Villa was really important. They're back at the top of the table. So the blip has ended for Mikel Arteta's men. But is that going to be a positive result in isolation? Are bad mm. results still to follow? So how simple could a way win be here at Oslo 4-6? Is that something that yeah. you fancy? Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel kind of fairly priced, given that Arsenal are obviously the league leaders. Leicester coming off the back of a defeat as well. But I just think given the potential obstacles, as Craig mentioned, I just think this one doesn't offer great value. Um, I, I think as well, we looked at Aston Villa win. Wasn't particularly convincing. I think as well, Thomas Partey, he's expected to still be out for this one. Uh, I think he should be back against Everton at home uh, next Wednesday. So that will obviously be a big boost for them. But I think without him, it's a massive loss. And uh, look, Leicester at home, they are very much a different side. I think they were heading in the right direction prior to that defeat against Manchester United. Um, obviously got a draw with Brighton. Uh, they, you know, they won away at Aston Villa and then, of course, uh, thrashing Tottenham as well. So that was a, a really good performance there. Um, and yeah, I think this is going to be a tough game for Arsenal. So, you know, as much as um, it's a very difficult one to call, and again, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to know how to how to take Arsenal as well. So, yeah, I think four to six, I said, probably is fairly priced. But uh, given, given, what Le- uh, given what Leicester are probably capable of doing, I think this is one maybe staying clear of. Well, after dropping points at Nottingham Forest, Manchester City are on the road once again. Craig, it's only two to seven in terms of a away win at the weekend. Can you squeeze some more value before kickoff? Yeah, I've had a look at this game, and I do think Manchester City will win this one. You know, we've just sort of spoke about the, the tests becoming more difficult for Arsenal and how they're handling the pressure and and whatever. And you you could maybe look at Arsenal last week and say that nerves played the part, and that's why they didn't play as well. I don't think that was the case with Manchester City. I just genuinely think it was a, a very bad day at the office for them. Um, Bournemouth are slowly tightening up. They're, they're still not sort of pulling up any trees. Big win last week. Um, but if you look at the last five games, they've all had under 2.5 goals. So I do think Manchester City will win this. But I think one of the ways to add a bit of value is to go with under 2.5 goals. Because generally speaking, Manchester City and goals come hand in hand. So I don't know. That, that's where I've looked at it. 11 to 4 for a Manchester City win and under 2.5 goals. And while I do think City will win, it wouldn't be the biggest surprising world based on how they're playing at the minute, if Bournemouth could maybe keep it tight for an hour and eventually lose this. So that's what I'll go for, 11-4. to Okay, Jamie, on the flip side, sometimes when City drop points, they're a wounded animal and they like to take their anger out on the next team that stands in their way. So could over 3.5 total goals, odds of 11-8, to be the best way to go on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you could argue that Bournemouth may be slightly turning the tide a little bit. Obviously, got the draw with uh, Newcastle and then one away at Wolves on the weekend. But ultimately, it's five defeats in in the last eight as well. So I do think Man City will end up winning this one. Uh, I think as well, I do think they can score a number of goals here. In uh, four of their last six Premier League matches, City, they've scored three or more goals and You'd think against a Bournemouth team who, as I said, with with those kind of recent struggles, I think they can, you know, take full advantage of that. And as well, you've just got to factor in that Bournemouth, no team in the Premier League has conceded more goals than they have. They've conceded 44 goals in in 23 matches. And uh, I think City, as much as, you know, they have been kind of mixed in form this season, I think they will take advantage of Bournemouth. And uh, I think we'll see uh, over 3.5 goals. Now, Craig, there's no change in Crystal Palace's relegation odds since we checked last week, but they could shorten if they lose to Liverpool on Saturday. Can you see the Eagles now going eight games without a Premier League win? How does the away win odds of 8-11 to 11 sound to you? It's one that I'm going to steer clear of, this one. Um, it's, it's another sort of... Uh, Crystal Palace, it's another slight positive on the on the sort of the uphill... Sort of, well, I say uphill, it's a very, very steady incline path. <laughs> um, another draw last weekend... So I think it's the draw that I'm looking at here. Palace have drawn four of the last five. It's not ideal, but at the same time, they're not just constantly losing games and they are picking up the odd point here and there. You know, we, we spoke about how sort of tight the relegation battle could potentially be. You know, these points could potentially keep Palace up and uh, not that we want that because we want the Crystal Palace relegation bet to come in. But, um, you know, look at the flip side. How on earth are Liverpool going to react to Tuesday night? You know, that wasn't a defeat against Real Madrid. It was... An outstanding first 15 minutes. The Liverpool of old, everybody absolutely up for it. After 15 minutes, imagine the atmosphere and the feeling inside Anfield. Imagine how good that will have been 
and then they lost 5-2. Uh, they got absolutely turned over after after that point. Um, it wasn't just a defeat. It was such a high and then such a massive low afterwards as well. So I'm just not sure how they're going to react. Um, I'd certainly not take them at 8-11. to 11. The draw's 14-5, to 5, so it's almost 3-1. to 1, And I just think Palace have got this knack of drawing games at the minute, which is not exactly a positive, but also not a negative. Um, I just think this one might just end up with a draw. So, yeah, that'll be my pick. OK, then, Jamie, you were bold enough to pick a Palace win earlier mm. in the show. But let's play devil's advocate and look at the other side of the coin. If yeah. Palace go eight games without a Premier League win, at what mm. point do the Palace board have to start asking questions of Patrick Vieira? Could he be the next mm. manager in the Premier League firing line? Yeah, well, look, I, I keep asking a lot of my Palace friends this. You know, I, I feel that Palace are a team that should be doing better. I think they are a team who should be higher up in the league. They should be pushing for the top half. But I think a lot of them kind of accepted where they're at at the moment. I think I think there's kind of three key factors that I'd consider at the moment in terms of Vieira keeping his job. I think as much as it, you know, they should be more ambitious. I think it will be about can they stay away from that relegation zone? And I think at the moment they are doing that. And I think as, as long as they are well clear of that, I think Vieira will be safe. Um, I think we also, we've just seen with Leeds, the managerial market is very limited at the moment. I think Vieira, across his you know, fairly short managerial career, has, has shown some good signs. So I think they'll kind of look at it and think they have still got a good manager there. And they'll also know that they are missing key bits in this team at the moment. You know, when, when Jordan Nyo's your striker, I think that that's obviously, you know, you're going to be short of goals. I think Wilfred Zaha has been a player who's been in and out of the team with injuries as well. So to be missing him, I think it's been a big blow for them. So, you know, and then I think as well, midfield, obviously losing Conor Gallagher was a big blow for them. And uh, I think that, that they've, they've really kind of struggled to fill that hole. So, as I said, they are missing key bits in this team at the moment. So I think there will be a bit of leniency from the board towards Vieira. So, yeah, I think I think you can kind of consider those things. Um, I, I think he'll be safe for now. But uh, as I said, I think they are kind of building in the right direction somewhat. You know, you look at some of those impressive draws that they've had against all teams, Man United, Newcastle, uh, Brighton and Brentford. Again, as I said, all teams that have been doing very well at the moment. So some good results there. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, I do think that this could be the, 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 the game they finally win. Right, finally, we're off to Goodison Park as Everton play host to Aston Villa. So, Craig, the Toffees have won both their league matches at home under new manager Sean Dyche. Can they make it a treble or to 7-5? to five? Yeah, I think they can, Dan, yeah. Um, and I think they'll do it in sort of typical Dyche fashion again. It's sort of pretty much cut and paste what I said last week about the game against Leeds. I think they'll it'll be a tactical battle. I think it'll be very tight. And I think, ultimately, Everton will, will just grind out a narrow victory. Um, Everton to win a 7-5 to five, and Everton to win one nearly 7-1. to one. Um, We've sort of got proof pretty much already, although very, very short into his reign at Everton, that, that Sean Dyche is making things work. And they may not be the best team in the league. They may not be the best, the most skilled team in the league. It may not be the best football that we all watch. But he's a master of just grinding out points at a vital time. And it's an incredibly important time for Everton Football Club. And if he can do this for another two or three weeks, then the onus just becomes on sort of picking up points just to tick over and keep above the relegation zone rather than winning games and picking up points to move away from the relegation zone and get out of trouble. Um, so we could see a real sort of flip in, in what they actually need to do just a few weeks after he's taken over. Um, it looks a very, very, very good appointment at this stage. If you look... Compared to what Leeds have done recently, you know, Southampton having to turn to the, their third manager and potentially just giving it to an assistant till the end of the season with that one. Look at what Everton did. Uh, they went out, they got got the man they wanted, they got out there early and took him off the market before others had got chance. How much would Leeds and Southampton have loved the opportunity to, to get Sean Dyche in until the end of the season? Um, I think it's a very shrewd move. and I think they're going to get rewarded again by another narrow, grinded out, success uh, and like I say I would also bat 1-0 at 7-1 to one. OK then Jamie Villa have lost each of the last three league outings they'll need to bring that run to an end at some stage how does 8-15 to 15 in a double chance market sound to you? Yeah again I'm going to go with Craig here and I think a 1-0 <laughs> win just, just looked kind of spot on at the moment we've seen them obviously back to back home wins 1-0 as well and uh, I just think it'll be the same case here I mean it's kind of really quite shocking to see that Aston Villa after a really good start under you and I Emerev have lost three in a row as well so they travelled to Goodison Park in pretty poor form as well so um, yeah I, I think with, with Sean Dyche doing a fantastic job there at the moment um, you know brought in to do exactly this 
um, you know, grind out results. And, you know, he just seems to be doing it so well at the moment. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned just before he was appointed that I did like the way he could fit this squad. I mean, I, I kind of looked at it, really kind of felt like he could line it up in a way that and get results from it. And uh, at the moment, he's doing exactly that. And uh, I think we'll see them get another result on the weekend. Really like the look of a 1-0 win as well. So, uh, yes, an Everton win. And I would stay clear of, of Villa here, especially given their form. OK, then, it's time for our final bit of business. It's the odds on threefold. We all pick a leg each. We combine it into an acre. We try and go for bets over 1-2, to two, but less than evens. And after our 7-2 to two treble came good last weekend, let's see if we can get another winner over the line. So, Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? I'm down in League One, me, and I'm going to go with Burton Albion to beat Accrington Stanley at 4-5. to five. A very resurgent Burton Albion team at the moment who have won four of the last five games. These two are both in relegation trouble not too long back. Burton Albion are now four points clear and, and sort of moving in the right direction. Um, as I said, they've won four of the last five games. Last weekend, they won away at Bristol Rovers. A, a good, you know, it's not the easiest place to go. They've also been beating teams around them. They've beaten Oxford, Fleetwood, Exeter, teams that are sort of in, in the bottom half of, of League One. And Burton Albion have been coming out and beating them. Um, compare that to Accrington Stanley, who've got a distraction of, of potentially going to Wembley in a game. They play a semi-final on Wednesday night against Bolton. Now, I don't think they'll win that game, but I just think that when you're down in sort of League One and League Two and you've got the chance to play at Wembley, it can often take your eye off the ball. And I do worry how Accrington Stanley will cope, regardless of whether they win or lose, based on that. Um, they did win last weekend. They beat Shrewsbury, but before that, it's very poor. They were terrible against Barnes. They lost 3-0 to Lincoln, 2-0 to Wickham. It's not been very good. So it's Burton Albion to continue their good form for me. 4-5 uh, to five to beat Accrington Stanley. OK, then, Jamie, that's a cracking start. What have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I'm going to look to the Madrid derby for my one. And we're going to go for a Real Madrid win, uh, which you can get at 4-5. to five. Real Madrid, uh, they've won both of their previous meetings this season with Atletico. So they've already got their number twice. Um, and at the moment, I think they can't afford any slip-ups. They're eight points off the top. Um, and then, of course, you know, that, that big confidence-boosting win against Liverpool. I thought they were absolutely fantastic at Anfield, especially in that second half. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for them to win at home against Atletico Madrid at 4-5. to five. A bold shout. I'm off to the Bundesliga as Borussia Dortmund travel to Hoffenheim. And after struggling to fill the void left behind by Erling Haaland at the start of the campaign, the famous black and yellow are now flying. Six straight league wins has put them second in the table and level on points with both Bayern Munich and Union Berlin. Also, with first playing third on Sunday, the visitors have even further reason to come out on top. With this in mind, I'm backing the away win and Dortmund to go top for at least 24 hours odds of 4-5. to five. Right, that brings us to full time now, so I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now, I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, thanks very much, Dan. Uh, looking forward to an absolutely huge top of the table League One clash on Saturday. Barnsley v Derby, 5th v 6 massive playoff game. Can't wait. Bring it on. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. And uh, yeah, obviously some, some really great football this weekend. Of course, the, the EFL Cup final, Tottenham-Chelsea as well, a game we spoke about, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid. So that should be a good game as well. So uh, yeah, lots of, lots of good football to look forward to and uh, really looking forward to it. Cheers, mate. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>